What better? I turned it on and turned it off when we were testing it early. I'm sorry. Um, so anyway, this, this lady had went to Wednesday night service at her church. She was elderly. And she, when she was coming back in her house, she realized that there was a burglar in her house. And when she saw him, she shouted out, Acts 2.38, go and sin no more. And the guy stopped and fell down on the floor and froze. She went and called the police officer, and the police officer came in and arrested him and picked the guy up off the floor and said, man, we had never seen this before. And the guy said, what do you mean? He said, you froze and laid down on the floor and waited on us to get here? And he said, well, yeah. He said, well, the old lady said she just shouted a scripture at you. The guy said, a scripture? She said she had an axe and two thirty-eights. <laughs> <clears throat> it's not exactly what Acts 2.38 says, but it's for the joke. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is, is uh, the period of time that from when you want something to when you receive something. And that's a little word called wait. We don't really do wait very well. As a group, as an age in, in society, the idea of wait is not something we do very well. Yesterday afternoon, Riley and I were batting in the, hitting in the batting cage, and we have a tee that's destroyed, and, and I'm fussing at her because you need to hit off the tee more. And she was like, I don't even have a tee. So I stop mid-round, pull out my phone, and order a tee from Amazon and put it back in my pocket and said, I'll be here Monday. We don't do wait very well. And there are times in the Bible where people waited and waited on God and waited on God in ex what we would consider a long time, right? What we would consider like, man, that's a lot of wait. And I think there's value in understanding. In fact, the Bible says that those who wait upon the Lord, well, let's go to Isaiah. <clears throat> Not the Samuel yet. We'll get the Samuel in a minute. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40 in verse, and I like to start this at 28 because it kind of gives you a little bit more of what's going on. Do you not know or have you not heard? For the Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and he will not grow tired or weary. In his understandings, no one can fathom. And he gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Even the youth grow tired and weary, and the young men stumble and fall. But those who hope or wait in the Lord will renew their strength, and they will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not go weary, and they will walk and not be faint. When we wait on God, it, it is... When we, when we understand that God is faithful, right, and we have faith in Him that He is going to do exactly what He said He was going to do, we are... When we're in that place of waiting on God, we should feel renewed. <coughs> we should feel uplifted. And the problem is, is the enemy wants to come and say, well, I know you prayed for that yesterday and you ain't got it. God didn't hear you. Well, I know you have been expecting God to do something in your life, but he don't have time to mess with you because you're not worth his time. God ain't, you're not, you're wasting your time. And we allow our imagination to get in the, uh, <clears throat> into 
gear and we negate what this says, right? We quit waiting on God and we start being anxious and upset and worrisome and dread, right? And then you go, well, you don't understand. I prayed for him last week and why isn't he better? Or I've been expecting a new job for some time. It's been two weeks, God. I don't know what you're doing. We get into such a right now situation that we can't enjoy the process of waiting on God to, know, to feel our strength renewed, to sit and be still and know that he is God and give him an opportunity to work. See, we want it right now, right? We want healing right now. We want deliverance right now. We want the, our perfect mate right now. We want our marriage straight right now. We want the best job right now. How about if what you want, you're not ready for? How about your dream job that is the best job that's ever been, that is going to be the job that fulfills your life and supports your family, and you're not mature enough to have it, and if you had it right now, you'd mess it up so bad you'd miss the point? How about if you're not ready to be in the relationship with the perfect mate yet because you're still too self-centered and still worried about you that you would blow up the relationship? Well, that's not me. Well, no, no, I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm just using random examples. When we pray for stuff, we expect our limited information that we understand to move God who understands everything, who knows the beginning and the end, who knows that you're not ready for that yet. And there are times where God put people in places and he started something and then they had to wait for it to develop. Now, I know that sounds strange to y'all, I get it. But, but, but let, let's, let's talk about King David for a second. Y'all know King David? You know, baby boy, tending the sheep. All his brothers were fine, upstanding soldiers and young men. Y'all know that, right? So if you will, turn with me to 1 Samuel. I guess I need to get my book out because I can't remember what 1 Samuel went. <clears throat> uh, turn with me to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16 and verse 1. 1 Samuel 16, 1, And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way, for I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, right, Samuel had anointed Saul to be king, and then Saul had not done such a good job, and then God is sending Samuel to anoint somebody else to be king, Right? And, and I don't have time to read the whole thing, but um, Samuel goes through the whole list, right? And God says, I will show you which one to anoint. And he tries to anoint all of them, and, and none of them is anointed. And if you jump down to um, verse 10, and Jesse had seven sons passed before Samuel. And Samuel said to them, the Lord has not chosen these so he asked Jesse, are these all your sons you have? Because Samuel started thinking, oops, I might have messed something. I might have messed up because I done went in front of all of these sons and these are not the ones that God sent me for. And Jesse answered, there's still the youngest. He is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him <clears throat> and we will not sit down until he arrives. 
We're going to wait on him. So he sent for him and had him brought in. And he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint this one, because he is the one. And Samuel took the oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel then went, right? So when did David become king? Was it that day? No, he was a little kid. He, he wasn't king that day. But he stood up in front of his family and was announced and anointed as king. Then he had to wait. And his weight wasn't real good, right? I mean, he, they tried to kill him. They tried to do all kinds of crazy stuff to him. They tried to trap him, right? Well, I had to kill him where he couldn't be king. And God saved him and moved him around. Do you know how long it took from David being anointed to when David became king? About 15 years. You had to wait 20 minutes at Chick-fil-A? What a travesty. In high school, your wife dated somebody else for a long time and wouldn't pay you any attention? I don't believe it. 15 years after he was anointed, he became king. Now, I'm going to tell you, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I, I, I can't. I, I, it would, oh boy, Lord had to give me strength. <clears throat> so if you go back to 2018, I became the interim pastor, right? <clears throat> and then about 2020, somebody finally decided that we do know how to hire a pastor, but we didn't really know how to hire a pastor, right? We didn't, because we never hired a pastor before. So we figured out the steps that needed to be taken to hire a pastor. And we accomplished all of those things. And we were supposed to vote on a pastor about the third week in March of 2020. Does anybody remember what happened the third week in March in 2020? COVID. We stopped having church. Well, y'all stopped having church. I came here by myself and had church to the camera. And that was uh, uh, agonizing enough. But we didn't get to vote. Because that's the rules, right? We have to vote. You know when we voted? September, or last, Saturday, last Sunday in August. You know how agonizing that was? Didn't, it didn't change anything. It didn't mean anything. It didn't affect anything. I was still preaching every Sunday. I was still doing the duties of being the interim pastor. But for me, that weight was gut-wrenching. Now, I don't know what God was saving me from in those, you know, months to where I wasn't voted on. Maybe y'all wasn't going to vote for me, and then you decided you was going to vote for me. I don't know, but it's okay. But, but that weight was tough. And as I matured through this, I look back at it now, and it doesn't even seem like it's a big deal. But then it really felt like a big deal. It was a weight on me. Not that kind of weight, the other kind of weight. You know, like the heavy kind of weight on me. That I had to wait for what? Why, why was I anxious? Maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe y'all wasn't ready. Maybe it just happened and it didn't have anything to do with anything. 
Maybe it didn't. See, that's where we get so torn up, right? We are in this situation where we feel like we are waiting on God to do something, and what you really want really has no effect on the outcomes. It doesn't change anything. Whether you get that job or don't get that job, whether you get in that school or make that team or don't make that team, whether you make an A on that test or a B on that test, does it really affect the outcome? Does it really affect who you are as a person? See, there are times where there's really some stuff going on. <clears throat> Turn with me to Exodus. Right? This guy waited a little bit too. Moses had waited a bunch in his lifetime. But if you flip to Exodus, he said something in Exodus that is amazing. All right, so Exodus chapter 14, and the Lord said to Moses, uh, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp here, right? So they've already left. Uh, verse 4, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue you, but I will gain the glory for myself and Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am Lord. This is, this is after all the stuff had taken place. We done had the plagues, and we had all this stuff, all this craziness, right? And then 9, the Egyptians and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they were camped by the sea, Right? And 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified. And they said to Moses, was it, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you had to bring us to the desert to die? That's, that's really good, right? He just got them out of all of this. Why did you bring us here? 13, and Moses answered to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. And the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. See, sometimes when we're waiting, we are in this verse right here. You just need to be still and know that I am God. You just need to just do you. And not worry about what all the things that you think that is affecting you. You just worry about you. You worry about being a better you. You worry about reading your Bible more. You worry about watching your mouth. You worry about tending to your own business. Just be still and know that the Lord is fighting for you. Now, if you look at it in the real world where the Israelites were at that point in time, they're not in a good spot. They are trapped in this valley against the sea. There is no escape. It is they're not fighters, right? They're brickmakers. They're, they're, they're slaves. There's no chance they win this war. None. Just be still and the Lord will fight for you. Just, just be still. Just wait just a minute. Just, just let God show up and do what he's going to do. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to beat the system. Just be still and the Lord will fight for you. So what happens in this? We know what happens in this. Um, 15, and then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on and raise your staff and stretch out your hand and the sea will divide the water so that the Israelites can go across the sea on dry ground. Who out of all of the Israelites did anything to help this outcome? None. Moses raised his hand. That was the extent. 
He didn't build some kind of viaduct that's going to move the water out of the way and a, and a, a levee to go across and, and, a, and a hydroelectric dam on both sides where we can drain the basin. They didn't do any of those things. They just stood and watched God's awesome power in work. Just wait just a minute and watch God's awesome power. The, God said, the Bible says that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us, that he is a faithful, loving God. And sometimes we feel like, I've just waited long enough and I don't even think he's paying me any attention. Just be still and let God fight for you. And what happened? They walked across on dry ground. As the army got in the middle, water came back together. Believe it or not, I've seen a couple of specials and, and videos of them finding the remains of horses and chariots in the bottom of the sea. That's amazing, isn't it? They think that's a great discovery archaeologically, how that happened. Already knew how that happened. They told us in Exodus that Mama and I had this conversation the other day. We were talking about the, they found, they find seashells in Colombia. They find seashells in the desert, and they don't know how that happened. Y'all know how that happened? There was a great flood, and it covered the entire earth. Seashells got spread around the entire earth. On the highest mountain, there are seashells. Right? I already know the answer. God flooded the entire earth. We serve an awesome God. And if and when we are in a position where we feel like nothing's happening, you have to understand what he says in Exodus. Be still. The Lord is fighting for you. Just, 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 just wait just a minute. Just, just let him have some time. Maybe he's working on you. Maybe you're not ready for it yet. Maybe he's working on your spouse. Maybe they ain't ready for it yet. Maybe they're just trying to get the right person in the right place to see your talent. Just, just be still. And that's hard for us. Right? We want to do it and do it and do it. You think about people who have waited and waited for God. It, it, it's, well, let's go look at another one. Th th this guy is, is one of my guys, man. I, I like this guy a lot. Um, because in, in a world of, of Pharisees and Sadducees, he was not one of those. So if you will, turn with me to the gospel according to Luke. Gospel according to Luke. Chapter 2, in verse 25. All right, so Luke 2, 25. And now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation yep, of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him and had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. What a great promise do you think that he spent every day mad because the messiah hadn't shown up now think about this the other way it was revealed that he would not die before he saw the lord's messiah well what's that mean man i didn't see him today i get tomorrow i didn't see him tomorrow i get next week I might be 108, but I'm still waiting because God promised me that God's not a liar, that I will get to see the Lord's Messiah before I die. <clears throat> Verse 27, and moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. 
And when the parents brought the child, Jesus, <clears throat> to do for him what the custom of the law was required, Simeon took him in his arms, praising God, <clears throat> and saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, <clears throat> you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He waited in a time to where people were not good, right? The, the Sadducees and Pharisees and all of the teachers of the law were so blinded by their customs and by their self-righteousness that they could not see what God was doing. In a time to where everybody was not doing so good, Simeon saw exactly what God wanted him to, and his weight was rewarded. <clears throat> now, When the Israelites were delivered through the Red Sea and, and, and it drowned all of the people, it, it, it's not very far from the promised land, right? It's not very far. Like you physically can walk from there to, to Jericho pretty easy, right? It's, it's not overly far. Anybody know how long it took them? Like, like, like 40 years, right? How come? Because in the middle of that wait... They kept saying, what'd you do, bring us into the desert to die? And in the middle of that wait, instead of honoring God and, 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 and praising God and worshiping God, they built golden statues to worship. I, I just sent all of the plagues. I set you free. I walked you through the water. I mean, what else do you want from me? I mean, if you're God in that situation, <clears throat> I understand how he said, none of y'all is going to make it. None of y'all is going to make it. Not a single one of y'all will live long enough to see that side of the river. None. Sometimes when we wait, we hurt ourselves because we can't keep our mouths shut. And you go back to what you hear on the side of the mountain and the side of the sea when Moses said, just be still. The Lord is fighting for you. Just wait patiently. There's no reason for you to yell and scream and be mad and talk negative and be upset. Just, just wait. Just wait. Just worry about, just wait. <clears throat> My, um, I'm sorry Caroline's not here to defend herself, although she wouldn't anyway. Caroline's not very good in, in car maintenance. Um, when she came home from school, um, she told me, when she came over the summer, she told me, my car really started running rough. I'm like, okay. She was like, like on the way home, and like my steering wheel was shaking, and it's like, it's rough. I don't know. You need to look at my car. Okay. So I walk outside, and there is steel belt on one of her front tires. There's no tread, none. There's steel belt all the way around the tire. How it held air, I have no idea. No idea. And I'm like, Caroline. That, that's bad. Did you, you know, think that maybe I should stop and look or? She's like, no, we're just driving home. I'm like, okay, that's good. So we get to the beach <clears throat> Saturday. Everybody's back then where you can get in and out. And there's the other tire. Anybody want to guess what it looks like? Steel belt. So I called the people and said, hey, please order me a tire this size, yada, yada, yada paid for it, and they said it'll be two hours, and it'll be here. Appointment's at 1 o'clock. So I'm early. I get there at 1240. The tire walked in the door at 315. 
<clears throat> of course, the first thing they did when at 1240 was they took the car and took the tire off and took the rim and set it up on the machine. And then they realized they didn't have the tire. So from 1240 to 315, there was no hope that there was a tire going back on Caroline's car. If Philip offered two or three times, I'll just drive and get you. But traffic is so bad. It's so bad. It's 45 minutes back and forth, and, and they keep telling me, it'll be here any minute. Any minute. It'll be here any minute. And so I waited. And I told y'all, I don't like living these sermons before I have to preach them. But I waited. And I will promise to God, I did not say a cross word. I was not upset. To those people now, not, not when I got home, I wasn't that good. Just to the people at the store, I was the politest, nicest witness they have seen all week. And that lady apologized to me so many times she couldn't. I mean, she's, sir, I, I am so sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. It's part of my sermon. I didn't tell her that. It's part of my sermon. I'm going to wait without murmuring and without being upset. And I'm just going to wait. Maybe I didn't need to be at the beach then. Maybe there was something else going on, but I waited. And then when I got home, all of my godly acts were thrown into the trash because I acted like a crazy person because I waited at the stupid tire store all day and ruined my day on vacation. <laughs> yep, that's me. But when we wait, and we wait with a good, when we wait like Simeon, he was so excited. He was so excited to wait on God. And then when he saw this, he was like, Lord, I could die in peace now. All he did was see the little kid, the child who was the Messiah. But he was so in tune with what God had going on that he knew just by looking at him, that is the Messiah. What would have happened if all of Israel would have been so in tune with God's word that they could see the child and say, that is the Messiah. Israel was so out of tune that they saw the man who did these amazing miracles and they couldn't tell that was the Messiah. Then you want to talk about, wait now, Jesus got here, Right? When he was a little kid, he was, he was ministering to the leaders in the, in the synagogue when he was a little tiny boy. He was full of God's knowledge. Not until he was 30 years old was he allowed to start his ministry. He waited just a minute. In fact, he wasn't quite ready when he started because he said it ain't quite time yet, but his mama was persistent, right? She was not willing to wait anymore. Tend to these folks, they need some wine for the wedding. The preparation that goes in the wait time. Last example and I'm done. <clears throat> we, we ha I had a discussion with one of my friends the other day about shrimp and grits. And how that I really, really enjoy cooking shrimp and grits. And, and I really like my shrimp and grits recipe. But, takes a minute. You just can't throw it together. And it, 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 it's just time. And he was like, well, I can make shrimp and grits in like 30 minutes. And I'm like, we are not making the same thing. Your 30-minute wait and my six-hour wait is different. Also, what I do in six hours 
with shrimp and grits makes me overeat a lot because they are fantastic. And I've eaten plenty of people's shrimp and grits that took 30 minutes and I can take it or leave it. The weight in the shrimp and grits bolsters the result of the shrimp and grits. The longer I cook real stone ground grits, low and slow, and let them soften and draw all the flavor out, the better the dish is. So sometimes I think that when we're waiting on God, are you five-minute instant grits? Are you six-hour stone ground grits? Because if you're from here, you should know the difference when it hits your mouth. There's a difference between five-minute instant grits, or Riley even eats that trashy package in the microwave, 30-second <laughs> instant grits, then I won't even worry my mouth with. That's not even going there. That's terrible. You've got to think about what the weight is for. Is it for stone ground grits? Because if you really want what God wants for you, he wants the best of the best for you. Is it worth waiting on God? Or do you want to run out and do something else? I can't tell you how many folks that I feel like made rash decisions in getting married and quitting jobs and changing stuff and doing things different because they were in such a hurry for it to change if they'd have just waited just a little bit for God to line it up that it worked out so much better. I might have to put that in my marriage counseling now. How long have you waited for your spouse? I think Joel would win, though. Well, Joel waited long enough for his spouse. I feel like Marcy is the stone ground grits he's been waiting on. If we don't live, we do live in an instant society, but that don't make it right. When we wait on God, and we wait on God to line up all of the stuff that we are waiting for, we wait on God's promises to line up for his healing, for his redemption, for everything that he has for us. When, when it's in his time, he's never late. Now, the Israelites would have loved to have been across the Red Sea two days before that and never saw that army behind them. But that wasn't God's timing. God's timing was for them to watch them walk across on dry land and to believe that they also could enjoy the grace of God. Right? It took some faith. If you're the Egyptian army, it took faith to walk across or to attempt to walk across with the water standing up on edge. You don't think there was one guy thinking, boss, I believe this is a bad idea. That water ain't just going to stay like that forever. The grace of God that stood that water up for the Israelites did not hold it up for the Egyptians. We serve an awesome God. And we should practice to wait on an awesome God. That it's his will be done. That it's his will for our life. That my steps are ordered by God. And sometimes you have to be still and know that the Lord is fighting for you. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that it will go out and will not return void, but it will accomplish exactly what you sent it to do. And we give you the praise and honor and the glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.